This podcast is not legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances. Hello and welcome to Tax Records, the Hall and Wilcox tax team's podcast series. My name is Frank Inoperus and I'm a partner in the tax team at Hall and Wilcox. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by my colleague, uh, Adam Dimack, who is a senior associate uh, in our tax team and an expert on all things cryptocurrency and NFT. And that's what we're going to be delving into today. There's obviously uh, lots of hype around uh, cryptocurrencies, and we hear about them all the time. But there are also uh, a number of uh, important tax implications uh, for people who hold or invest in cryptocurrencies. Uh, And it's very important that we are um, aware of all of these. So, Adam, welcome to Smarter Lawcast. Thanks, Frank. And thank you for the kind introduction. Um, I think there are probably truly some experts out there who might uh, take some exception to that intro, but uh, we'll we'll just go with it. Okay. Now, my first question, Adam, is um, I will ask you to uh, you know, pretend I was an eight-year-old and tell me uh, what cryptocurrencies and NFTs are. Yep. Well, I mean, look, that's obviously a good, good place to start. Um, but, and it's a good question to start with. But funnily enough, probably one of the, the few questions that I might not be able to do full justice because I'm a, a tax lawyer, not a, not a blockchain expert, but I'll give it a crack. So for cryptocurrency, you know, you have a, a strict definition, which is something like a, a digital currency where encryption techniques are used to regulate the generation of units of the currency and to verify the transfer of funds. And all of this operates independently of a bank. And it's all done through the use of a concept known as public key cryptography, which is basically where you have a private key that you keep secret like a password and then a public key that you share with the world. And I think you and I, and probably most people who who have invested in and been involved in cryptocurrency would have experienced practically how these public and private keys work. I mean, if you've, if you've moved cryptocurrency from one exchange to another, you would have, you know, you would have had to have used that public key. So that's, that's sort of a, a, a bit more of a technical explanation, but there's also sort of, <clears throat> a layman or lawyer or accountant explanation that I I like to use sometimes. And I just like to imagine a blockchain that underlies any sort of cryptocurrency as a big spreadsheet, which records all of the transactions that happen and verifies those transactions. But rather than that spreadsheet being kept by a bank, so rather than it being centralized, it's decentralized and the public can basically participate in that verification process for a, a reward like mining or staking. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you, Adam. I, I now know more than I did um, two minutes ago, uh, most certainly. So uh, thank you for that uh, lucid explanation. And uh, tell us a little bit about why we're hearing uh, so much um, about cryptocurrencies and NFTs and, and what all of this hype is about. Yeah, well, I think, I mean, the explanation I just gave was, was about cryptocurrencies. We have obviously more recently this new concept and new technology known as a a non-fungible token or an NFT, they're a little bit different. They exist on a blockchain, uh, mainly Ethereum, but there are some others like Solano, 
uh, and a few others. And, and these things are basically like a unit of data stored on that digital ledger. So they're, they're you know, they're unique, they're interchangeable, they're not interchangeable, they're unique. Um, and they're generally used to represent uh, ownership in a tangible or intangible asset. So something stored outside of, you know, that might not even be stored on a digital ledger, like something physical, like digital artwork, you know, uh, digital representation of an object or event. So that's what an NFT is. And I think NFTs and a few other um, recent developments in both the technology and community that underlies uh, blockchain and digital assets are the reason that we're seeing all the hype. I mean, we've got other things that have happened, for example, institutional interest and investment. I think you might have heard, I don't know, did you hear this week, for example, that uh, CBA, the first of the, the, the big four banks, is now offering cryptocurrency trading? Yeah, which, you know, I think that's massive, right? That's, um, that's, you know, th that's something that is now going to make cryptocurrency trading more accessible to, you know, everyone and anyone who, who basically knows how to use a, a ComSec account, I imagine. Mm -hmm. And then we've got these other, these other sort of technologies and, and developments. And one of the big ones is decentralized finance or, or DeFi. DE-FI, as, as usually referred to. And, and this is sort of an umbrella term for, um, you know, blockchain-based forms of finance. And, you know, a basic example is that you can basically lend capital in the form of a cryptocurrency on an online platform and you get a return, you know, just like lending to a bank. <clears throat> but the difference is that the returns that some people have been uh, seeing, you know, far exceed what are sort of historically low interest rates. So, you know, you've got, this development in technology, you've got this development within the community, um, and you've got institutional interest and investment, and all of those things are sort of um, contributing to, you know, the hype that we're seeing now and the, the, the massive rise in prices and the, the all-time highs in, in the prices, I think. Mm. Great. I, I have heard the uh, abbreviation um, DEFI before, Adam, and it always um sort of reminded me of an 80s pop band but um but no there's certainly a lot of hype and there's probably as many people who um think that um you know cryptocurrencies are um going to disappear one day as there are uh, people who think that it's going to be um the great revolution uh, of uh, the internet so um i'm very excited to see how it all goes and how it all travels and probably hasn't um been a bad thing that along the way um people who have speculated on cryptocurrencies have made um tons of money and um, seemingly not afraid to uh, to be showing off about it, but uh, but no, it's a very exciting area, and um, I think for for somebody like you to be focusing on it, um, it's, we're we're very lucky to have your knowledge and your resources. So um, let's go to a couple of technical um, aspects now. And you, you described uh, the cryptocurrencies as effectively a, a, a digital currency. Um, not issued by a bank or a reserve bank, but issued basically in a digital form and verified by uh, the blockchain. Um, now, so we're, we're very used to in tax you know, dealing with um, with you know government issued currencies, you know Australian dollars, U.S. dollars, British pounds, etc. So, are cryptocurrencies currencies for for tax purposes, and 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 do we treat them the same way that we might? treat currencies for tax purposes in terms of changes in rate and so on yeah this is a good question because if you know once you get into 
the discussion about cryptocurrencies and NFTs and tax, this is probably the first question that you, you have to ask yourself, which is, you know, um, are, are cryptocurrencies or NFTs currencies for tax purposes? Um, I think it's easy to deal with NFTs first because I think the answer is clearly no. Um, they're not thought of by you know, the general public and the community as currencies. They're not treated as currencies. They're not the same really as, as other cryptocurrencies. So I think pretty simple answer there is no. And I'm not aware of anyone who would have a, a different view about that. There might be someone out there, but I don't know that person. I think it's obviously a, a bit more of a nuanced question for cryptocurrencies and, and Bitcoin in particular. And since 2014, the Commissioner of Taxation has had a view that cryptocurrencies and in particular Bitcoin aren't currency or foreign currency for tax purposes. And there are sort of three reasons why the Commissioner took this view back in 2014 and still holds this view um, as far as we're aware. And the, the three reasons are one, the current level of use of Bitcoin was uh, far short of what might be regarded as sufficient or necessary to satisfy some tests, which we see set out in case law. The second reason was that it wasn't a generally uh, accepted medium of exchange. Again, it wasn't able to meet those sort of tests in the relevant case law. And the third reason was sort of this nuanced legislative reason, which was that um, it's not a foreign currency because the legislative context in which the term currency is used is to define foreign currency as something other than Australian currency. So basically the commission was saying, well, cryptocurrencies aren't the currency of another nation. So they're not uh, Australian currencies. And, you know, I mean, we can test this pr pretty easily. I mean, it's undeniable that Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies are growing in popularity and in acceptance, but, I mean, think about it. if you walk down to your local shop, how many how many of them do you think would accept Bitcoin for payment? Mm. Mm. Well, um, oh, I can think of a couple who might be attracted to the idea, but uh, but no, I take your point. I did see in the press actually, Adam, that um, uh, interestingly, uh, El Salvador uh, has uh, started to accept Bitcoin uh, as legal tender. So. I mean, just can you tell me? I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean in El Salvador you can work, you know, walk into a Seven Eleven and you know buy a carton of milk with Bitcoin? And and does that change anything around what you were saying about the um, ATO's view on uh, cryptocurrencies not being currencies because they're not a generally accepted means of exchange? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly how it works within El Salvador. I mean, it it has now adopted. Bitcoin as legal tender, but I think it still has its its you know normal fiat um, currency as well. And I think there have been um, a number of institutions and businesses which have have adopted and began to use Bitcoin as legal tender. So um, it's certainly the case that they they've adopted that change. Um, from an Australian point of view, um, I'm not I'm not sure that it really changes anything. I did hear the, the same news that you did about. El Salvador accepting Bitcoin as legal tender. And when I heard that, I wanted to see what the commissioner might have said about that back in 2014 when he, when he put out his tax determination. Um, and, and that tax determination, just to go back a bit, that's where he sort of sets out those views that I discussed earlier about why Bitcoin isn't mm -hmm. a currency or foreign currency. And so I went back and looked at this determination and I was actually right. There's a, there's a compendium to it, which usually people don't look at. 
Um, but that compendium will often contain questions that are put to the commissioner by the public or challenges, I guess, to his position. And um, someone within that compendium asked the question of, well, should the commissioner adopt a different view now on the basis that Bitcoin might one day become legal tender? Hmm. And the commissioner, uh, the commissioner had quite a, a good response, which is, well, you know, basically said anything can at some point become legal tender and it doesn't warrant me changing my view now. Hmm. Um, so I, I thought that was a pretty good response. The, the other thing hmm. I think that um, I think if you look at the relevant case law and there was a case in 2020, Cerebu, um, which was a, a case where the commissioner's position on this issue was tested. I think what you'll find is that it's just because El Salvador is accepting Bitcoin as legal tender, it doesn't necessarily mean it changes the Australian position because it's still, Bitcoin is still not a currency that's issued by El Salvador. And I think mm. that that's the key difference. It's, it might accept it as legal tender, but it's not necessarily issuing that currency. And so that's why I'm not too sure that it changes things from, you know, an Australian point of view. Uh, no, that's really interesting, Adam. And I, I could, I could uh, never thought that they would come when I would be um, considering the El Salvador monetary system and the definition of currency in, um, in such depth as a tax lawyer. But um, now let's talk about some, some practical tax issues. I mean, if I'm somebody who uh, has bought some Bitcoin or bought some Ethereum or bought another uh, Dogecoin or something else, uh, just as a punt, um, hoping that I'd make some money and, and maybe I, I do or maybe I don't. But how do we deal with these things practically from a tax point of view? I mean, are they, are they CGT assets? I mean, do you hold them on revenue account? Are they nothing? Do they fall between the cracks? Sort of take us, a few, some of, take us through, please, um, some of those issues. Yeah, uh, I think it's better actually to start with sort of these practical issues rather than the, um, the, the, the technical tax issues. Um, I mean, the, the simple answer to one of your questions is that, yes, most cryptocurrencies and NFTs will be regarded as CGT assets. But then when you sort of get into the, the nitty gritty of, you know, how they might be taxed on revenue account or capital account, whether the discount, 50% discount will apply, whether they're, you know, personal use assets, collectibles, that sort of thing. I think we have to remember one, one important thing when we're thinking about answering those questions. And that is that there are no, that we have no new income tax laws that have been implemented specifically for cryptocurrency or NFTs. So what we're really doing when we're looking to you know, give our clients or, you know, looking for our own uh, answers to our, our, our tax questions is we have to apply the traditional tax rules to what is basically a new and in some regards, a very nuanced asset class. So there's, there's no new rules out there. It's just a new and different asset class. And, and it, what that means is that it can become quite difficult sometimes to get these traditional rules to fit well. Um, mm -hmm. And you, you really saw that sort of bear out uh, quite recently. I'm not sure if you saw it, but we had the final report from the um, Select Committee on Australia as a technology and financial centre. And mm -hmm. it was a great, great report. Obviously, all of the people in the, the digital asset community had put in a huge effort. And uh, it was quite clear that the some of the tax issues um, which arose because we were, you know, pushing these traditional rules uh, through or into or applying them to this new asset class, and they were aired and, and there were some recommendations around how to sort of fix that. Mm -hmm. um, the, the other, th there are some other sort of more practical 
tax issues that I think everyone sort of needs to be aware of. Um, do you mind if I just go through a few of them quickly? Oh, no, I'd love it if you did. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Well, I mean, one of them that I, I um, sort of talk about and, and maybe bang on about a bit too much is both within and outside of the, the digital asset community, there's this sort of perceived lack of transparency. And what, what I mean by that is, you know, some people... Um, you know, within the community and outside of the community, probably more often think that, you know, cryptocurrency transactions are all hidden. Um, and basically, you don't have to report them for tax purposes, because the commissioner and the ATO are never going to be able to see what's happened. Um, and I, that doesn't sound like a good idea, Adam. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's, even if that even if that were the case, even if there was no transparency, obviously, that's not a good idea. Um, yeah. But I, I think that the, the, the basic premise of that idea that there is no transparency is just wrong you know a blockchain records every single transaction that ever happens on that blockchain so you know frank if i you know five years ago gave you some bitcoin that'll be on mm -hmm. the bitcoin blockchain now and in 10 years time it'll be on there and 10 years after that'll be on there and the idea is that it'll be there forever and so you know the blockchain's not going to record my name and your name it's not going to say adam gave frank some cryptocurrency but it'll have that public key address and mm -hmm. the, the the issue there is that that public key address can be linked to someone's identity relatively easily for example if you trade using a australian exchange that australian exchange is subject to the commissioner's information gathering power we know the ato is running data matching protocols and so very easily that wallet address can be linked to you and mm -hmm. all of a sudden, the ATO can see everything that you've been up to. Yeah. Well, a little bit like um, what we were talking about in one of our other podcasts, um, Adam, about the Pandora Papers and uh, cross-border yeah. fund transfers. You know, taxpayers should really almost start with the assumption that um, these things will be identified and will be scrutinised and, um, you know, prepare to make sure that they're compliant and um, prepare to uh, answer any questions that they may have about them. And just to, to wrap up, I mean, um, this is such an emerging and new area and the issues are so new and largely untested. Can you just tell us a bit about the actual work that you've done in this area as a senior associate in our, in our, in our tax team? What, what sort of issues have you done and what sort of experience do you have um, in this uh, area for clients? Yeah, um, I mean, first, it, it started out really back in late 2017, or maybe mid 2017, uh, with people coming forward who had, from a personal point of view, made massive gains on their cryptocurrency trading. So, you know, people who had been early, sort of early adopters who had bought you know, various cryptocurrencies at a very, very low price and who now had made millions and millions of dollars. And at the beginning, it was just really sort of trying to give these people tax advice about the basics, you know, is cryptocurrency a CGT asset? If it is, what does that mean in terms of your tax? You know, were you holding that cryptocurrency on capital account? Had you, you know, tipped over and started to uh, trade on revenue account or, you know, to carry on a profit-making undertaking or plan? So that was sort of the beginning. That, that's how it all started. And then from that, we had, uh, again, probably 2017, 2018, we had the great ICO boom. So uh, everyone was wanting to do an ICO, um, but very few people truly understood 
the potential tax implications. So we advised uh, a number of different potential, I guess you'd call them um, ICO programs or ICO you know, ideas. Um, more recently, what we've been seeing is that people now have a pretty good grasp in terms of how the basic rules apply to most taxpayers. So, you know, everyday people who are trading. But what we're seeing now is particularly with non-fungible tokens and decentralized finance, there are some new uh, nuances arising. So the, the, one of the issues, for example, with decentralized finance is, you know, if you if you just take the basic premise of lending money, for example, to a bank and, and receiving interest, I think it's probably well accepted that the interest will be accessible income and that there's no capital gain when you sort of put your money in and get it back. But because it's a little bit different, because uh, most cryptocurrencies are CGT assets, it all of a sudden um, raises the question of whether, you know, when you're, when you're entering into or carrying out one of these decentralized DeFi um, protocols, when, you, when you're staking or putting forward your cryptocurrency, what happens to it? You know, is there a disposal? Is this platform simply holding your cryptocurrency uh, in a custodian capacity? And if there is, if there is, you know, a disposal, what does that mean for you? You know, it's not really then the same as just lending to a bank because you all of a sudden have another extra tax issue to think about. Um, and, you know, depending on timings and whether that spans across income years, you might have some um, unusual and potentially unfair tax outcomes. Excellent. Wow. Well, um... And uh, let me just say, I'm, I'm, I'm so impressed and uh, proud of how you and others around Hall & Wilcox have really embraced this area and, and, and made um, a good tangible practice out of it. And uh, uh, very well done today, Adam. Um, don't, don't think even, even Elon Musk would have done a better job uh, explaining and, and, and demystifying cryptocurrencies and N NFTs and going through the tax issues. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, um, to chat with us. Uh, today, Adam. Thanks very much. Thanks, Frank. My pleasure. Excellent. Now, we hope that you've enjoyed today's episode looking at cryptocurrencies and NFTs. Uh, this is the final episode for now in the series of Tax Records, uh, which is our tax podcast series. Uh, please, however, do get in touch uh, with any of us in the tax team. Uh, if uh, you have any issues that uh, we've discussed on these podcasts that you would like to talk through uh, a little more. As always, you can find our contact details on the Hall & Wilcox website, h-a-l-l-a-n-d-w-a-l-c-o-x.com.au, or uh, please connect with us on LinkedIn. Thanks very much. <laughs>